Well, he is risen. <laughs> Amen. Well, take your Bibles, find the Gospel of Luke chapter 24, if you'd be so kind. Gospel of Luke 24. Uh, today we're going to begin really a series of sermons uh, on hope and how hope is the anchor that still holds. And so the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some different episodes in the scripture that ought to give us hope for all kinds of different things that we run into. You know, we need hope for the guilt that we experience. We need hope because, well, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need hope in our homes and our families. And today, we're going to look at Luke 24 in an episode where there are two individuals. This couple's taking this walk along this road, and it's a road of despair. It's a road of disappointment. It's really, they're walking home from a funeral service. And so today, in a very broad terms, I want us to talk about how how, how our hearts need hope. Because you know, your heart's very important. Now, your physical heart is extremely important. All right? I can remember an episode that happened in my life. Man, it's been almost two decades now. It was a spring afternoon, a lot like this afternoon will probably be. My wife and I, we didn't have any children yet. We were living in a parsonage in Virginia Beach. And, uh, and I remember I was outside, it was, it was really getting warm, and I was out in front of the house, and I was putting down mulch, and I was digging, and I was shoveling, and I was raking, and I was throwing it out there. And I can remember bending over to lift a bag of the mulch and to pour it out, and when I stood up, all of a sudden, it was as if my heart rate went from, oh, let's say 70, 75 beats a minute to faster than I could count. I mean, I'm just, I was just in my 20s. I didn't know if I was having a heart attack. I didn't know if I had done something out there when I was working. I mean, I was thinking, I didn't know I was working that hard in the yard, you know? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I, I walk into the room where Jennifer's sitting, and I say, hon, um, my heart is beating so fast. I think you need to, I think you need to take me to the emergency room. So she she hops up, she heads to the car, and she, and she would later tell me she knew, some, she knew that I was scared and I thought something was wrong because I looked at her and I said, you better drive. 
Because to be honest with you, she would tell you, I am, there's just no other way to put it. I'm just a male chauvinist pig when it comes to driving a car. I just am, ladies. I apologize. And so I'm sitting there and, and so I'm letting her drive and I'm sitting there and, and I'm kind of laying back in the, in, in the seat. She pulls up to the ER, up to the ER. I get out of the car. I walk in there. And I tell the lady, I say, listen, the, 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 the nurse working there at the front desk, I say, I think my, my heart is like racing. It feels like at 200 some beats a minute. She goes, well, let me check this. And she puts her finger on, get my pulse. She goes, wait, just wait right there. All of a sudden, man, a door swings open. They grab me. They take me in there. They put me down on a cot and they start trying to get me hooked up to the monitors. And my heart rate is off the chart. All of a sudden, it's like they're bringing medical students in just to look at me and say, look at this guy's heart rate. That made my heart go even faster right there, to be honest with you. The way, the way they were looking at me just made me worried sick. And they, and, and, they, and they tried different procedures. They kept saying, well, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. Now, just so you'll know, so you're not worried about me or anything, I did end up going on, they did refer me to, to my primary care doctor. I went to him and, and, uh, and all he did was get scared, it seemed to me like. But anyhow, so any, he sends me to the cardiologist. The cardiologist said, listen, we're going to run a few tests, make sure everything's okay. I think it's this. And it turned out that everything was fine. It was, one, it was an episode, I won't go into all the details, where there wasn't anything that was going to have to be done to me. It was something where they said, listen, it just happens with more people than you realize. Their heart can kind of just get into a rapid rhythm. Here's what you can do about it, what have you. But I remembered that episode in my life because it reminds me that that doctors and even we as people, we take very seriously what happens to our physical hearts. Well, in the Bible, we find that the heart is used to kind of describe where we are with our emotions and our spiritual life and really the things even bigger than our body and life. And what you see in Luke 24 is you see two people that quite literally are struggling in their hearts. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling in your heart or you know someone who is. Maybe even you've decided to come back to church on an Easter Sunday morning because there, it, it seems there is some ache in your heart. There's some hole in your heart. It seems that your heart is out of rhythm. Well, today I want you to have hope. You know, Proverbs thirteen twelve tells us, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I think about the long walk these people were taking from that funeral of the one called Jesus of Nazareth. It was a Sunday afternoon, and if you've ever had to walk home from a funeral, it seems that that's one of the longest walks you'll ever take. The picture there on the screen, that's where my grandparents are buried in North Carolina. And I can remember as a young man after their funerals, I can remember even though it didn't seem to be a long distance, doesn't it seem like a long walk? after a funeral and whatever it is that you faced in life today I want you to know you can have hope that Jesus Christ knows that we need hope and he comes to these individuals and he gives them hope now it's interesting here in Luke 24 there's been speculation about these two on this road to Emmaus it's going to be at least a couple hour walk that they're taking it was a busy highway just imagine 95, Interstate 95, and how hectic it's been this weekend. Well, the road to Emmaus was a hectic road. People heading home from Jerusalem after the Passover celebration. But here, this, this group walking here is heartbroken. 
And in Luke 24, there's been speculation. Is it two men walking home? Where actually, some have proposed that it's actually a husband and a wife. The only name we're given is Cleopas. Cleopas is the man for sure mentioned here. And it's quite possible that he's the same, that he is the husband of the Mary mentioned in John 19, who was there at the crucifixion. They are... They are folks that have followed Jesus. They've heard his teachings. They've walked with him. But this day, on that Sunday, they were walking home and they felt as if their hearts would never hope again. We need hope. So I want to say a prayer and I want to ask you and me just to kind of dive in here and to, and to walk this road with them for a few minutes. And today, my prayer is that we'll see that there are really three different hearts described here and perhaps they describe us let's pray father thank you for your word and lord i just pray for these next few moments that you'll help us to see from these individuals lord the lessons we can learn on this easter sunday god we need a hope we can't live without hope so god i pray that you'll give us hope for our hearts today in jesus name we pray amen Really what I want you to see here is there are really three different types of hearts, broken hearts, foolish hearts, and transformed hearts. And so when you look here at the scripture, first of all, I want you to note what I just want to call broken hearts. They were heartbroken. It reminds me of a song that came out years ago. Maybe you used to listen to Jimmy Ruffin in The Temptations. I'll give you a golden oldie just for, just for kicks here. Remember this song, What Becomes of the Broken Hearted? As I walk this land with broken dreams, I have visions of many things. Love's happiness is just an illusion filled with sadness and confusion. What becomes of the brokenhearted who had love that's now departed? I know I've got to find some kind of peace of mind. Man, they would have sung that song that Sunday afternoon. You see, there are times in life when we're brokenhearted. Luke 24, just look with me at verse 21. Luke 24, verse 21, listen to what he says to, to Jesus. He says, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things had happened. We had hoped. How are your hopes doing today, friend? Maybe you're single and maybe you've thought, I had hoped to get married. Maybe you're divorced and you've thought, I had hoped to stay married. Maybe you're a student and you thought I'd hoped I would get into that college or I'd hoped my parents would stay together. I hope I would do this or do this. I had hoped life would be like this. These folks are brokenhearted. Maybe you're here today and your heart seems to lack hope. You're wondering how you make it through every day and you're kind of like them. Man, you're just putting one foot in front of another and you're just kind of shaking your head as you go through life. You ever been there? There's a lot of folks in this world, they're right there. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've just kind of wandered into this place this Easter Sunday morning. I want you to know you can have hope. And if you're here today and I look across this crowd and so many of the faces I see, your faces I see every single Sunday morning, I want you to know your hope, the hope that you have, others need that hope. There are a lot of broken hearts out there. Everyone searches for a hope. I read about a submarine that was headed back to port at the end of World War II. And as it neared port, something went wrong with the ballast system and it began to sink in the harbor. 
My father was a nuclear engineer on submarines at the shipyard for a lot of his career. And he would tell you that there'd be absolutely nothing more devastating in a submarine than for there to be this kind of system failure. This sub begins to sink into the harbor. Fortunately, they were in the harbor, and so divers immediately began a rescue operation. And as divers approached the sub, they heard tapping on the hull of that submarine. A crew member was tapping Morse code, and here was the message. Is there any hope? Maybe you feel as if you're drowning in a sea of despair and discouragement and depression. Just listen to their conversation. In verse 13, it says that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. They're having a conversation. And in the Greek language of the New Testament, it would have been literally like this. They were kind of going back and forth. They were almost debating what they had seen with their own eyes. They were struggling to hold on to hope. They were talking about all the things that had taken place and all these shattered dreams. But Jesus, look, Jesus joins the conversation. Verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, don't, don't miss this. The Bible says, Jesus himself drew near. Jesus himself, there's an emphasis there. And so we won't miss and we won't take lightly that Jesus himself shows up in the midst of their broken hearts and he draws near and he went with them. Oh, in the midst of their conversation, don't, don't miss, Jesus joins the conversation. Jesus is no stranger to the conversations you've had that are full of broken hearts. He's right there in the midst of them. He's in the midst of what you and I go through. But look at verse 16. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now, now I just want to say this. That seems kind of strange. You would have to ask the question, why would their eyes be kept from recognizing him? And I think you'll see here in just a few moments that I think one of the reasons, well, it could have been, they just, some would say, they just didn't recognize his resurrection body. I don't think that's the case. Someone said, well, maybe it was the light of day or just something had occurred and they just didn't. No, let me tell you why I think they were kept from recognizing him. And, and the intention there in the language of scripture is that something or someone kept them from recognizing Jesus. And I think it was God himself. But why would he do that? It's because God wanted to remind them and remind us that, listen, you don't have to just count on just some type of experience. Jesus wanted the opportunity to remind them of what he'd already told them and wanted to remind them of what the scriptures had already taught them. And that's exactly what you and I need to learn. In the midst of our brokenheartedness, there's times where we just say, listen, I just need some kind of special touch from the Lord. Or I just need, I wish Jesus would just show up in person and tell me what to do. Well, you know what? He has. He's shown up in the, in, in the script. They have this conversation, but I want you to see there's a confusion. There's some confusion going on here. They don't seem to understand what's happened. Look at verse 17. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas, he answered me, he said, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? You know, sometimes when you're broken hearted, you're just kind of irritable, aren't you? I think Cleopas, he's just like, what is, what is wrong with you? You don't get, just notice the literary irony here. You just don't, are you you're the only person here that doesn't know what happened? Doesn't know the things that have happened? 
And these days, and then Jesus says to them, what things? Now, now Jesus has just had all this happening, but Jesus says kind of tongue in cheek, what things? As if he wasn't there. And they said, and well concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Now I want you to watch this. A man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Oh, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now even the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, hey, some of the women of our company, they amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they didn't find his body, well, they came back saying that you know they'd even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but him they did not see it's as if in their broken heartedness they are just blinded by their own confusion here oh he was such a good man he had healed the sick he had raised the dead we know he was a prophet Oh, but he ran into some trouble with these high priests and the authorities and they delivered him up to death. They absolutely, in their brokenheartedness, are talking about Jesus in the past tense. And of course, what they don't realize is he's standing right there before them. And there are moments in our lives where we feel so brokenhearted and so hopeless and so helpless, we miss the fact that Jesus is right here in our midst. They're broken hearts. Well, it's been said you can live a month without food, five days without water, five minutes without air, but we can't live a second without hope. It's as if Jesus says, listen, listen, I don't have a moment to lose. I've got to rush you in here to the emergency room because he understands they don't just have broken hearts. They've got foolish hearts. They've got foolish hearts. Look at what he says. Verse 25, and he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. It's as if what they had done is they had kind of approached the scriptures as if they were going to the buffet after Easter service or a cafeteria, saying, well, you know what? We'll have a little bit of that scripture, a little bit of that prophecy, because even even in describing their hopelessness, they said we had hoped he was the one going to redeem Israel. They had totally missed all of his teaching and seemingly not paid attention to the prophecies that, listen, Jesus wasn't just there to take care of their political issues. Issues or, their, or their economic issues or their social issues. He wasn't just there to win the next election. There were much bigger things at stake. He was there to deal with eternity. He was there to deal with their spiritual hopelessness. And that's Jesus for you and me. Oh, but do we have foolish hearts sometimes? Foolish and sluggish hearts, slow to believe. Today, I want to remind us, believe in the necessity of his suffering. Isaiah 53, go back and read that. Isaiah 53 reminds us that, listen, listen, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of God's plan to pay for our sins and our transgressions and our iniquity. Oh, Luke 9, 22, Jesus had already told them, but it seems they'd forgotten. Jesus said the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. But listen, listen, he had already told them on the third day he shall be raised. 
Oh, you got to believe in the necessity of the suffering. Some people say, oh, I don't like the fact that y'all talk about Jesus dying on the cross. Listen, if Jesus had not suffered and bled and died for my sins, I would still be as lost as I was when I was born. There's a necessity in that suffering. We worship a sovereign, yet a sovereign who was willing to suffer. Don't miss that. Oh, believe in the necessity, but believe in the prophecies. You know, the Old Testament, D. James Kennedy taught us, the Old Testament contains 333 prophecies concerning the coming of Christ, which include 456 specific facts or details concerning the Messiah that's to come. And all these prophecies were written between 1400 B.C. and 400 B.C. There's so much been written and researched on this. You can, you can look in a study Bible or simply probably go online and do some research and you can find so many prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Oh, I think about how as you look in the Bible from the beginning to the end. In Genesis, Jesus is a seed of woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he is our judge and our lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. In First and Second Kings, he is our Lord and King. In First and Second Chronicles, he is the reigning king. In Ezra, he is our faithful spouse. In Nehemiah, he is the builder of broken down walls. In Esther, he is our Mordecai. And in Job, he is our redeemer. In Psalms, he is the Lord, our shepherd. In Proverbs, oh, he's your wisdom. Listen, in Ecclesiastes, he's the one who loves us. In Song of Solomon, oh, he's our beloved fair one. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's the balm of Gilead. In Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband. In Joel, he is the Holy Ghost baptizer. In Amos, he's the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is mighty to save. In Jonah, he's our foreign missionary. In Micah, he's the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, he is the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist. In Zephaniah, he is our savior. In Haggai, he is the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's the fountain open in the house of God. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness and with healing in his wings. Somebody say amen. Amen. He is Lord of lords and king of kings. He is risen. He is risen. Oh, yes, he has. Oh, bring your broken hearts. Bring your foolish hearts and worship Jesus Christ. And that's what begins to happen in their hearts. And they go from having broken hearts and foolish hearts to having transformed hearts. Look with me at Luke 24. What you'll see here in verse 28, it says, So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going further. Now I find that interesting. The word there, acted, it's as if Jesus, they're saying in the Bible that Jesus pretended he was going to go further. Now why would Jesus do that? Was Jesus just messing with them? Was Jesus just playing with them? No, understand this. Jesus intended to stay there with them. Jesus intended to go into the house with them. But Jesus acted like he was going to leave them and go a little bit further because he wanted to make a point. A point to them and a point to us. He wanted them to invite him into their home. And you know what, friend? Jesus wants you to invite him into your heart, into, into your home. 
Oh, there are times when, oh, oh, Jesus is going to leave me. Listen, listen, listen. There's times when you feel hopeless and heartbroken. And Jesus is trying to make a point to you and me when we feel like that. He's saying, hey, why don't you invite me into your life? Seek my face. Let me be the one that heals you and gives you hope. Why are you chasing after everything else? Oh, on this Easter Sunday morning, let's open our eyes, church, so we don't have to hear sermon after sermon after sermon. And understand this, Jesus is your hope. And he transformed their hearts. Oh, I tell you what, the shame on Easter is this. We, come to, we show up for Easter Sunday, we get our card punched, we'll hear an Easter sermon, and then we'll just go on the rest of our day like nothing, is, nothing has happened. These people were never going to be the same again. Now, I don't have enough energy in my body to try to transform your heart on my own. The only thing, the only one who can change your life is the Lord Jesus Christ because I need him just as desperately as you need him. Oh, we need Jesus. They needed Jesus and so do we. Oh, but he transformed their hearts. Look at what happens. They urged him, verse 29, they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it's toward, it's toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at a table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And the Bible says their eyes were open and they recognized him. Oh, understand this. Listen, listen, they weren't having the Lord's Supper. They weren't having anything special for dinner. Jesus teaches us right here that it's in the everyday, ordinary moments of life. Listen, open my eyes, Lord, and help me to see you, Jesus. You are the hope on my everyday, not just my Easter Sunday. Don't miss that. In that common everyday meal of just breaking some bread there at supper. It was just leftovers on Sunday night. (laughs) And boom, their eyes are open, their hearts are transformed. And then look at what happens. Oh, listen, listen, church, listen, listen. Verse 31, their eyes were open, they recognized him. And then listen, listen to what happens now. Now he vanished. He vanished from their sight. Now he said, now why would he go and do something like that? I mean, it's just getting good. Now why is he vanishing? I'll tell you, there's a reason he vanished. Jesus, Jesus was teaching them a lesson. He's teaching you and me a lesson. You know, sometimes we think just because we can't see Jesus, he isn't there. But man, that's not true. You know what? I want, I want every kid in this church to understand this. And some of us grown-ups would do well to understand this. Listen, listen, listen to me. There is a difference between imaginary and invisible. Never, ever forget it. You might not can see Jesus like they had seen him, but understand this. Oh, he is not make-believe. He is absolutely real. He is absolutely relevant. And he is absolutely the resurrected and living Lord. Jesus is real. And he vanished. He goes and he begins to minister. But understand this. Oh, Jesus would teach his disciples that he was going to ascend ascend to heaven and take his place at the right hand of the Father. But he had already told them he was sending another, didn't he? He had already told them he was sending a comforter and a counselor. And that's why today, listen, listen. You don't just read the scriptures and read the Bible in your own accord. No, listen. That's why today we've been praying, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Change our hearts. Transform our hearts. Because Jesus has sent us his Holy Spirit. 
Spirit. And His Holy Spirit is here with us today. He's in churches all around this town and this community this morning. He's around on the other side of the face of the earth where they had their Easter sunrise service. Oh, 12 hours ago, church, understand something. Has Jesus transformed your heart or not? Oh, I... We... Are y'all tracking with me? Are you understanding why we're here today? They were broken hearted. They were foolish hearted. But oh man, they weren't ever going to be the same. Jesus transformed their hearts. Oh, he's the ancient of days. He's the bright morning star. He's the chief cornerstone. He is the day spring. He's the door of the sheepfold. He's Emmanuel. He's El Shaddai. He's the finisher of our faith. He's the great high priest. He's the holy one, the head of the church. He's the image of God. He's the intercessor. He's the judge. He's Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom. He's king of kings, king of glory. Listen, he's Lord of all. He's Lamb of God. He's Messiah. He's most high God. He's the narrow way. Listen, he's the only begotten son. He's the offering once and for all. He's the prince of peace he's the power of God he's the quietness and he's the quieter of my soul he's the rose of Sharon he's the rock of salvation listen to me church he is the resurrection and the life he is the son of God the son of man the servant the savior the shiloh the strength the song and the shield he's the teacher he's the true vine he's the way the truth and the life he's the unction from the holy one he's the victor he's virgin born oh and he's the veil splitter listen he's the word of life he's witness he's wonderful counselor warrior and wisdom he's exempt from death forevermore he's the yes and the amen he is zion stone because he lives i can face tomorrow god sent his son they called him jesus he came to love heal and forgive he loved he lived and died to buy my pardon an empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Life is worth the living just because he lives. Where's your hope? Is your hope anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. I was there on that bed in that emergency room. I noticed they were trying all kinds of things and nothing was working. All of a sudden, they, they wheel in there that machine that they turn the electricity on and they rub it together like that. I noticed they just wheeled one of them in there. That got my attention because it looked like it would hurt if they used that on me. And I said, what's that, what's that machine over there for? He says, well, that's just in case. All right, doc. He goes, I want to try one more thing. I want to try one more thing. I want to give you a shot. He pulled out a needle a little bit that big. <laughs> My heart rate had been at 185, now I was at 285. He t- and I said, where are you going to put that shot? He goes, don't worry. We're going st- to put it through your IV. He puts it into my IV. And I'm not kidding you. I've never felt a sensation like this in my life. It was as if instantaneously I could feel medication going to my heart. And boom, just like that, my heart went right back into normal rhythm. Normal rhythm. And as I remember that this day, I remember that Jesus 
the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord, instantaneously wants to come into my life and transform it. So my heart goes into normal rhythm. And I'm able to then walk with him throughout all my days. Oh, folks, that's hope. That's hope. I pray today our attention has been put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray today as you go to Bible fellowship groups, and I hope you'll go to one. If you, if you haven't ever before, today's a great day to start. And you go to your Bible fellowship group, I pray that the words on your mouth will all be about Jesus is this and Jesus is that. Oh, let's not be foolish. You don't have to be broken. Oh, because you can be transformed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your great love for us. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray today we've just been reminded of how mighty and how wonderful and how powerful from A to Z you are from Genesis to Revelation. Oh, Jesus, thank you. God, may we talk much of you this day in the days to come. Lord, any here brokenhearted, I pray they'll come to you this day, Lord Jesus. Any that have been foolish in their hearts, oh Lord, I pray we'll repent and we'll just be reminded of the truth of scripture. Oh Lord, I pray today we'll be transformed hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.